From the citadel of dusk to the frozen heart of the northern wastes, we scour these lands for ancient tombs and stories untold. Within the great temple of Verena, we make our stand against the darkness that seeks to take the light of knowledge. We welcome one and all to our hallowed halls of enlightenment, in hopes you may glean some insight into our old world. Welcome to Perils and Portents, a Warhammer Old World podcast. I'm Dave, and I'll be your host for this episode. I am joined today by my co-host Jason and my co-host Patrick. Hey guys, what's up? Not much. Excited to be here, man. Yeah. 1,000% stoked and on the fantasy train. Boop boop. Awesome. Before we dive into the podcast, uh, there's a couple things I want to make sure the listeners know. When we're talking about unit profiles or rules, we are talking about Warhammer Armies Project or the unofficial ninth edition of Warhammer. So if our listeners are not familiar with that, um, you can definitely give it a Google, but I think it's great. Essentially what it does is it takes all the army books that never got an edition update um, into eighth and then sort of updates them all at the same time into ninth. It brings in some cool rules from like earlier editions as well. So it brings in some cool rules from like 6th edition and 7th edition. But we're not experts by any means. So um, we're learning as well. So please give us a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, latitude as we talk about some of the things that we're going to be talking about. But um, I don't know. Do you guys think we need to talk any more about Warhammer Army's project? Um, other than... Definitely go check it out if you're interested in fantasy and don't necessarily feel like you want to get on the Age of Sigmar bandwagon, you know? Um, I know I'm excited because it, flesh, it, it fleshed out a lot of, a lot of armies that, that need some love. And I like the fact that I don't play Age of Sigmar, but they're updating alongside all the new Age of Sigmar miniatures. So, like... You can find, instead of Uruk Iron Jaw Brutes, they have Orc Brutes. And so, like, it's a it's a one-to-one kind of comparison, which is kind of cool. I wouldn't say every model is getting backwards compatible, but I, I think the models that do sort of fit into the lore um, are, are getting, you know, um, rules in their appropriate army book. And, and I will also say that um, Warhammer Armies Project expands the world beyond what the normal um, factions you could play before, right? The sort of the standard GW factions. So you can go out and you can play Cathay or um, they have zombie pirates. So it's, it's definitely a more open system, but I, Pat, don't think we're going to see a ninth edition rulebook for like Stormcast Eternals. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely things that are specifically Age of Sigmar are going to stay Age of Sigmar, like Stormcast. You're, of course, you're not going to see Stormcast or the 
what's the new elf faction that's essentially all elves put together? Or they they have like the 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 bull god or whatever. Um, you know, there's definitely things that we won't see, but there there is a lot of things you will see. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the Luminous High Lords. Yeah, or you won't see the soggy elves, whatever they're um, called. Sad, no soggy elves. Those but... poor soggy elves. Yeah, so um, I guess I've gotten about 10, 10 games of uh, ninth edition under my belt now. So I mean, I'm getting there, but still have a long way to go. And and a few of those games were definitely games uh, like learning games, right? Where you know I was working through some new rules and new army lists, and um, I was helping some other people work through them. So it's uh, I don't know, Jason. How many how many games have you gotten? Uh, I am up three but I'll tell you I'm coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective I'll uh I'll go out on a limb and uh you know share a little bit here uh I used to play uh pretty competitively uh fantasy tournaments from 6th and 7th and a little bit in 8th edition for fantasy and I'll tell you the rules edition bleed is every bit as bad, if not worse, for fantasy as 40k. Uh, it does throw me off occasionally, but coming at this from the idea of a workable rule set, it does feel like they've taken the best parts of 6th, 7th, and 8th edition and kind of smudged them together into something that works even better than its individual parts. And yeah. I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think the other thing that makes um, the ninth edition just better, and then I'll get off this because I, I don't want to be accused of being a fanboy podcast. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 a living rule set, right? So the guys who sort of you know the gatekeepers, they maintain it. Um, they have a Discord, and I mean, every day I feel like more and more people get in there and you know fill up the chats and um, you know if there's something that doesn't feel right about a unit or an army um you're just not getting what you feel like should be the um the thematic effect of that unit uh then you're by all means you're allowed to go in there and sort of like i don't want to say lobby because that makes it seem you know kind of uh Washington DC right but like it's uh you can go in there and you can like you can put together a coherent argument and like you know, they'll sort of the moderators will like, you know, kick it up, you know, kick it upstairs if it's worthy of it. And so, and I've seen things change. I have seen good changes. Um, I haven't seen any bad changes yet. So that's really positive. It's a good point to bring up. Uh, Dave, you and I are actually testing out some of the new proposed modifications to the Chaos Dwarf book this weekend. Absolutely. Super excited about that. So Jason and I are going to be. Jason will be getting his fourth game, and I'll be getting one more game, and we're going to be testing out some rules that I think make a lot of sense. And maybe we'll talk about those at some point during this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm psyched. Okay. Well, um, so this is a new podcast, and to help the listeners get to know us a little better before we sort of dive into um, what's the essentially like the meat of the podcast, uh, 
I wanted to ask you guys what's on your table right now. So we can go out to Pat. Pat, what are you, what's on your table right now? So on my table right now, it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> uh, really, ideally, like I've been slowly collecting up uh, orcs for, for an awesome orc army, and I, I've got everything built. I just need to paint it. And then I have my Bretonian army. Um, and really, my plan is to start painting out or painting up my uh, the rest of my Bretonians. So I have a lord on a hippogriff. Um, he's massive, and his base is massive. He's on a fifty millimeter or fifty by fifty millimeter base, and he's probably twice that lengthwise. So he's he's a big dude. He's a he's a long dude, but I'm excited to paint him. Um, probably gonna do like kind of I'm going in between like peacock style or like maybe more like a raven dark blues and that kind of stuff so that's nice. kind of what's on my table yeah yeah and pat you you do it all right so you've got the 3d printer set up and you yeah just... so um hey small plug for myself uh go find me on instagram it's o'hare forge um and i 3d print and paint and do all sorts of fun stuff i'm uh, made a bunch of Necromunda uh, terrain for for some of the guys in Richmond who uh, play Necromunda. Everybody has a franchise of a of a certain eatery, but uh, again, that's not fantasy. But yeah, no, I I 3D print a lot of stuff, especially for the fantasy guys, just because you know it's hard to find those decades or lo- older models, you know. So it's been right. a lot of and- fun some of the new i mean some of the new 3d stuff is just gorgeous and i would say there are definitely some army lists within ninth edition that you can only 3d print has been gw never made armies for like um what is it astalia right right you were like looking at that so so yeah i i mean fair play right third party 3d printer whatever fair play conversions whatever it's all good in the hood. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, for instance, uh, I lucked out in the fact that a year ago I bought like, I don't know, I want to say four or 5,000 points of Bretonians just on a whim from a friend. And I traded 3D printing services for it. And now I have an army and I don't have to you know, pay eBay prices for a grail night, that kind of thing. Or, you know, um, I can just print it if I want it. So that's nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason, what's on your table? Oh, boy. Uh, let's see here. A couple of different things at the moment. Uh, I am painting right now, physically, in my hand as we speak, a uh, Grimgore Ironhide for Pat's uh, Orc Army. I am putting the finishing touches on one last uh, Bull Centaur render to fill out my full unit of them uh, for our game this weekend. And I am painting a a 3D printed copy of, if you guys have ever gotten in the Total War Warhammer, uh, painting a 3D printed copy that Pat did for me for uh, Colic Sun Eater. And it is probably the biggest single model I have uh, painted for Warhammer Fantasy. He's uh, pretty enormous. 
yeah, that thing is massive, man. It's it's amazing. Does he um, even fit on his base, Jason? Uh, well, he definitely doesn't fit on a chariot base. It's kind of like a. Um, I'm sure you've seen dozens of videos of cats trying to sit in like tiny saucers that they're way too big for. I mean, that's essentially what he looks like. Uh, I I really want to see like an animation of Colex Sun Eater trying to get inside a box now. That that's all I can think about. I mean, if he fits, he sits. Uh, those are the rules. Uh, so yeah, I had to uh, size him up from a chariot base, which is for some reason what was recommended for him in eight. I think probably because he never had a quote-unquote legal model. I think you were just supposed to convert a uh, dragon over Shagoth into something that looked more impressive. Uh, but anyhow, he's my favorite character in probably the entirety of the Warhammer mythos and uh, a very cool old standby that I used to use in tournament games all the time uh, just because it was common knowledge that he was terrible and unusable. Uh, spoiler, he's not. <laughs> well that's but, awesome yeah that's it for me at the moment all right well hold on to that uh thought about colec because we may come back to it but uh currently um full transparency i do not paint uh nor do i glue models together uh because it, it just would be bad so i get it uh, we're serfs that's fine dave whatever yeah no. No, no, it's really about uh, just the time and and uh, and effort. I just don't have the the skills anymore. Um, I used to paint a lot, but but not anymore. So I have um, on my painter's table a a Malusi, a unit of speaking of backwards compatible models. So these are the Snake Girls that came out for Dark Elves, sort of right at the beginning. I want to say they've been are around those for the a ones while. with the bows, right? Am I thinking of the right ones? You are. Yeah. Okay. So they, you can take them with bows or you can take them with, um, I think they have like a, a, like a spear or something. So you can take either version of them. Uh, the bows are incredible. Um, the rules for them. So I'm really excited to get those back and put them on the table. I also have a unit of Kinnerai. So another backwards compatible unit. Um, they're the flying the flying elves, dark elves, the flying witches, sort of. So they've got great rules as well, um, and just totally amazing models. And then I have a unit of um, sisters of slaughter. So they're the witch elves, but you can put the scary mask on them, make them sisters of slaughter, just oh, because cool. I have I have enough witches. <laughs> oh, and a steam tank. So. You finally got a steam tank. That is oh, so yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, I found one. I did. I found one down at um, uh, World's Best. That's of a, course. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Good on you, man. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, um, we're still kind of kicking around ideas for this podcast, but I think the first segment is just going to be each of us talking about like a favorite model or a unit uh could be from our army list that we're playing right now could be from an army list that we're building in the future but you know like when you got really excited as a kid because you got like that new gi joe or something you know the new the new cool toy and all you wanted to do was play with it that's sort of the idea right it's like um What's that model that, that got you into your army? Talk a little bit about it. Um, 
you know, how do you build a list around it? You know, what are its tricks and tactics? How do you get the most out of it? You know, just kind of tell a story, tell the listeners maybe some stuff about it, some cool stuff about it. And, uh, and we'll just see how it goes. So, Jason, kick us off. All right. Well, mine was an easy pick to start because he's sitting right in front of me and he takes up a good quarter of my desk space with uh, how big he is. So, like I was saying earlier, I, uh, I did used to play pretty competitively throughout uh, 6th and 7th edition of Fantasy. And one of my favorite things at the time, which I will admit, I did almost entirely because general internet wisdom was that it could not, did not work, uh, was an almost completely Warriors of Chaos list, Warriors of Chaos list. And what I mean by that is uh, as long as Throg the Troll King has been around, so I think he came in in fifth edition, but uh, so long as he's been around, uh, if you take him as a hero, then you can take trolls in your core choices. Uh, and trolls are pretty dumb. Um, they're kind of hard to get make to work. But the best part about that is uh, this whole monster list. Uh, Throg is not a great general. He's only leadership eight. And he only gives his leadership to trolls and other uh, like war beasts. So not super helpful. Uh, Colic Sun Eater, on the other hand, despite being possibly the coolest named hero in the entirety of the mythos, uh, he's also really badass. So a couple fun things about Colic. Uh, he is the exact same weapon skill 8 as every other you know, Chaos Lord out there. Uh, but he is a Strength 7, Toughness 6, 8 Wound Dragon Ogre. Uh, now, the general internet wisdom, as I'm sure old fantasy veterans know, uh, as cannons got more and more laser guided, the later into editions we got, into it wasn't that bad in sixth. Uh, big giant monsters were still pretty great, but they definitely started taking a nosedive around seventh, and then in eighth, uh, lots of people would argue they were not unusable because. Uh, it was kind of a race to the top to see how many cannons could get uh, crammed into a list. And uh, any anybody that's an old fantasy veteran still probably hears like, uh, eight inches from the back. And like, you know, gets that little like, just, ugh, God, I hate that. It took so much fun out of the game to just have, you know, your opponent basically tell you, uh, I'm just going to put this cannonball, uh, place the token eight inches from the back of your big fun monster, and I'm going to, you know, just roll dice at you until you have to scoop your fun models up and go home. So nobody likes that. And that's why I started using Colic. I was determined to make him work. And so I converted up my own Colic um, for a while. Uh, when I got a little more money in my pocket, I actually bought... Uh, one of the it was actually one of the first uh, Mirsha miniatures I bought. Uh, anybody that's worked with them knows they're incredible, but a little on the pricey side. So I got one of their uh, Cower Drags to uh, represent Colic, and then most recently I got a uh, Pat to print me off one, which is apparently 
something I did not know you can do. Uh, the dude that designed this straight up like ripped the character model from Total War Warhammer and uh, just stuck it in the 3D printing program. And it's basically a carbon copy of the in-game character. It's pretty terrific. So the fun thing about Cola, uh, especially when you're playing in a tournament setting and you've been told that anybody that's going to try and kill you know, a big monster, they're just going to roll cannonballs through it until it falls over. Which, yeah, it can happen occasionally. Uh, however, what's terrific is everybody was thinking cannons and like the most beefed up blender lord they could possibly think of. Whether it was a chaos lord, a dark elf, a high elf, uh, vampire lords can get pretty nasty and juiced up. Uh, occasionally, you know, Saurus can get pretty bad, the old bloods. So what would continuously happen that they did not expect, because nobody had ever seen Kolik, you know, actually used in an army in a tournament, uh, they would go into it, challenge, because he is a character, so he can challenge. Uh, this locks off, you know, the whole rest of the unit from fighting him, which is great. Uh, what would typically tend to happen is their big, giant, scary blender lord, which is used to fighting other three-wound heroes, would be like, all right, well, I'm re-rolling hits, and I do negative seven to armor, and here's five wounds you can't save. I know you don't have a ward save, because Kolik is useless. I'm like, all right, cool, dude. Uh, take five wounds. Uh, he's got three left. And then Kolik fights back. He is initiative one, I'll tell you that, so you do have to watch out for the initiative attacking spells, which is something that's far less uh, prevalent in ninth edition. Uh, Kolik swings back. He's got eight attacks. He's strength nine, because uh, seven, and then it's a great weapon. Uh, each one of those does D3 wounds each. So let me tell you, you're ignoring their armor, because, you know, strength nine, it's a negative six to armor save, so that's almost any armor save gone. Every single wound that sneaks through has the potential to just straight up kill that three wound character you're fighting. And it was pretty terrific. I didn't, it was a very hard army to like win top table games with, but it was a consistent like second place army. And let me tell you, staying at the second or third point on that podium and just getting that satisfaction of absolute befuddlement on the face of your opponent who's used to like steamrolling things with a 400 point, you know, vampire superlord and just absolutely flattening them. It's, it's indescribable and worth not even placing if you can do that a couple of times in a game. So yeah, that's why uh, Kolik Sun Eater is my favorite model and probably my favorite unit in the game at large. Well, that's awesome, man. I can't wait to see him on the table in uh, in ninth edition. So so you're saying that most of the rules that um, you you were familiar with from back in the day, they're they're still sort of they still sort of work the same way. Yeah, for the most part, uh, cannons work a little bit differently. Uh, steadfast works a little bit differently. Uh, it's kind of a running joke. The only thing um, it, it's there's a rule from sixth edition called lap around which absolutely nobody remembers or cared about, even when it was an actual rule. But essentially, if you won a round of combat, you could take two models 
from the back rank of an infantry unit and put them to the side so you'd have like two additional attacks into the unit uh, you were fighting and every round of combat you won you could take an additional two models and move them around <laughs> and it was the stupidest thing ever and absolutely nobody remembered to do it and sadly it's not in ninth edition either but i won't forget it because it's dumb and it was a lot of fun i i do sort of remember that um but yeah man i don't think i saw it done more than like once or twice right it's like the glorious intervention from uh like it's one of those rules that exists but nobody was real sure like how it worked or when it worked and you yeah. know yeah but i did this esoteric rules right awesome well, well yeah, deep, what, right <laughs> yeah when do you think when do you think you're gonna get a get to put them on the table oh decently soon i want to i want to get this uh chaos dwarf army to at least a tabletop standard and then i just need a, a couple more trolls and i'll have the uh, entirety of my little monster mash army good to go awesome i can't wait can't wait to play against him and uh, just absolutely see how brutal he is. So, uh, Patrick, tell us, what is your most favoritest thing in the world right now? So this is probably the model I've owned the longest, maybe close to it. Um, I do have some old vampire counts. Like, my first fantasy army was, uh, was vampire counts, which... Uh, may may sound surprising but that was when i was like 12 um but if anybody remembers uh warhammer online the mmo the uh deluxe edition came with this pewter model of a orc war boss with a uh night goblin shaman shaman on his shoulder and his name and their names were grimlock and gazbag and I've had this model for years, and on a whim, maybe about a year ago, I painted it up. And then when Dave was like, hey, Jason, Pat, you guys should get into fantasy. I was like, okay, you know, I've got these Bretonians kicking around. I could probably do something with them. And maybe I'll do orcs or, you know, maybe I'll do a Stalia. Um, but as soon as I... I was perusing through the army books and I saw that they had rules for Grumluck and Gazbag. And so these guys are essentially, it's an orc war boss with a night goblin shaman on his shoulder. So you have regular war boss stats plus a level two um, wizard all in one uh, general package, which is awesome. Um, but, like, their lore is that um, the Malekith, the Witch King, um, was trying to to break up the dwarves and, and just cripple them. And so he, he summons Grumluck and Gazbag to him and gives them this magical amulet uh, to give them more power. And so one of their or on their unicard, one of their items is the Malachis Amulet, which gives Grimluck, the uh, the orc war boss, plus one strength, and Gazbag, plus one to cast, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, he's not, I mean, they're, they're not as chunky as your Colex, or, you know, not as grand as, say, maybe 
uh, your Grimgore Ironhides, which I still love that model, and I'll probably cover it the next time we go through. Um, but just this model alone has had a very special place in my heart for the longest time. Um, and yeah, that that's why I love him. Like, you know, he it's it's such a characterful design and and I just think it's kind of fun and I mean you could run it in any army and uh, Gazbag uses the uh, spell of the bad moons which is the gabos and so like your signature spell is essentially a magic missile and then you have all sorts of different spells that are awesome so yeah yeah man I mean nostalgia is a uh, it's a strong pull and I will say uh, the guys at Army's Project just went all out, and I think every special character that ever existed in any edition um, can be found in those Army books, right? I mean, at least that's the way it seems to me. Uh, they did a great job of bringing in some of the older characters back and uh, updating their stats. I also appreciate that, like, none of the like we ha- they haven't gone to essentially too far in going like to um end times level you know i I appreciate the fact that they they throttled it back and then figured out a way to just improve everything slightly it is a game that at its core is about um unit tactics right um it's not hero hammer it's not it's certainly not end times i mean the cap uh that they put on uh characters is actually really interesting so the 25% cap on lords is still there. The 25% cap on the heroes is still there, but you cannot take uh, more than 35% of your army combined. So they definitely throttled it down. Um, and a lot of the special choices uh, got bumped up into rare choices. And so uh, it is, it's, it's very much a game that taxes you and makes you bring... Um, you know, sort of that line infantry troop, right? I mean, you could still bring the cool units, but um, usually there, there's a, it's a more restrictive build. So I totally appreciate that. So yeah, man, you're gonna, you're gonna build your uh, orc list, get it on the table. Yeah. So um, I have two orc lists running right now. I've got one with Grimgore Ironhide, and I'll talk about Grimgore for ages um, next time. But um, One's with Grimgore and one's with, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, one's with uh, Grimluck and Gazbag. And uh, essentially, I've got all the models. I just need to, I really want to, kind of like Jason, I've got all these army ideas or I have all these armies. Um, but my first love is Bretonia, or my second love, I guess, in this case, is Bretonia. And so I want to get all of my Bretonians up to at least tabletop and then, and then on to orcs, I think. So, very cool, man. Look forward to that. All right. So for me, it is um, very much uh, no competition, right? Nothing even close. The Marienburg class landship, um, and I'll just share a really quick story with you guys. So, I never thought I would get one of these. Um, you know, it was sold out on Forge World before. I really got into the 
whole fantasy, you know, thing. At least I, I think I was in it, but then I had left it and sort of came back, right? Um, so I would, I would, I would hunt this thing on eBay, and they would always go for like you know five, six hundred bucks, just sort of astronomically expensive. And so I, I found one, but it had already sold. And so I like reached out to the seller, like I sent him a message, and I was like, hey. Um, cause you know, he was from Russia. Right. And so it, you know, sort of suspiciously, you know, looked maybe like it could be a recast. And so I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, uh, you wouldn't happen to have any more of these, would you? And I get a message back the next day, like, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. Right. And so I was like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And you know, whatever, I'm not trying to like, you know, get anyone in trouble. So, but then I had found a, um, a, uh, a, a painter, a commission painter who is like, uh, he was Ukrainian. And so I was like, Hey man, uh, this guy doesn't speak English. Can you, uh, could you, you send him a message? Here's, here's his email. And, um, and he did. And then he, he gets back to me and he's like, uh, dude, this guy's got the entire catalog. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's got the, he's got everything. What do you want? And I was like, uh, I'll take one of these and I'll take one of these and one of these and one of these. And so I got to build the army that I always wanted, which was the artillery school of Nome. Um, so I got to build it and it was phenomenal and I, and I got it painted and it was awesome. But so that's my story about the land ship in like a nutshell, it's international espionage and stuff. The white but... whale. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And, um, and so I had it and I got it and I, then, and then I, it was gorgeous and I put it in my display cabinet and then I think for whatever reason we weren't playing, we had stopped playing. It was a while. It was like, we were into other things. It just sat there and it was, it was cool. I look, you know, I loved it. I walk by, I look at it and I'd be like, oh man, that's awesome. And, uh, and then some guys, some friends of mine, um, from Richmond start playing, ninth edition and they're like hey man you should come play and i said cool uh, and i had some misgivings at first like do not get me wrong i was uh i i was not fully on the bandwagon i had some major reservations i was like oh man this is some this is some fan-made wonky stuff right um but i looked at the lists and i sort of figured out how to make them work and i put the landship on the table and it was, it was awesome, man. I had such a good time. Um, 10 wounds, uh, unbreakable. So it's like a steamship, but it's not. So it's sort of, I mean, it's like a, a steam tank, but it's not, right? So it's like, has a steam tank sort of profile, but then it's also got the uh, special rules um, for the land ship, which is like the random move, which is steam tank. But then I think you go 3D6 in a straight line. So you're not using steam points. It's not like a traditional steam tank. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it's so it, and so I played it a little bit during 7th edition. Tamarcon came out. Um, and so I sort of knew the way it worked. I played it in 9th edition, and it had lost a bunch of stuff, right? It had lost um, grind. Grind had gone away. Um, it had lost the ability to fire its cannon in close combat. So, like, it had the rule, but you couldn't effectively do it because... It couldn't fire grape shot, right? It's like specifically said in the rules, like can't fire grape shot, which was weird. Uh, so 
it just, you know, I think it was still getting cleaned up. And so I got to go through this process of um, watching sort of in real time as the people, people on the Empire chat in, um, you know, in the Armies Project Discord sort of talk about it. Because people who have these things, man, they're passionate about it, right? I mean, this is the model that you want to put on the table, right? Every time. And uh, I watched sort of the evolution of this guy. So like eventually it got back grape shot. So then that was cool. So it could fire even if it was in combat, but not in like the close combat phase because that would be OP. Um, and then <clears throat> it got back uh, grind, essentially. So it got back essentially impact hits. But during your, um, actually it's during, I think, every combat phase, which made it feel more like the land ship that, you know, I, I used to play back in the day. And I, yeah, I mean, I love it, man. I think every, you know, it's, it's such a good, um, like anvil type of a unit, right? This is a tar pit, which is just throw it up the table. Um, and it's unbreakable and it's got 10 wounds and I think it's toughness six. So it's, um, I mean, it's hard to get through, probably not going to get through it in like one turn. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so iconic and it, it's back to where I think it should be right now. And it's but, beautiful. Your, yours is absolutely beautiful. And it's, yeah. and it's a menace, you know, <laughs> I haven't had to fight your list yet, but I'm really excited to, uh, bowl that thing over with a couple of, uh, lances and see what happens. So yeah, can confirm that land ship is a fucking menace. <laughs> It is. Uh, I mean, it is. It's. It's a. When I saw it the first time too, I was like, "Man, two hundred fifty points is a. That's a deal, right?" I mean, it used to be like three hundred and fifty, and um, but it had like lost a bunch of rules. So I don't know. We'll see. If the points may go back up. I now would be totally okay with that. It is. Uh, it's. It's great though. But uh, so yeah. So guys, I think that's gonna wrap up the uh, the first segment of our podcast. And I don't know about you guys, but I certainly hope the listeners like that because now I'm kind of jazzed to just like look up units that are awesome and talk about them. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think it would be a fun way to do, you know, get into some different parts of the, the list that we're playing. Because the last thing I want to do is, is is read lists, you know. Here's my 200 and 2,500 point list, right? And that's like what the internet's for. <laughs> if you want to see our list... We'll post them for you. We'll put them up on our on, on the RR website, but like we're definitely not talking about it on the podcast. All right. So with that, guys, um, we're going to get into the second part of our podcast, which is, I think, going to be really fun. So we decided every couple of weeks, we're not going to do it every week, but every couple of weeks or every couple of episodes, um, we're all going to read a book. Because we're all sort of psyched about um, getting back into the old world and fantasy. But we're always sort of desynced on what we're reading, right? Like Jason will be reading one thing and Pat will have already finished it. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And and so um, this was like, we're going to do this. And so we're all going to read a book together and then we're going to talk about it. So, but before we do that, we thought we'd come up with something fun for you guys. So, we each wrote like a back of the cover, like a back of the book sort of 
synopsis of, uh, of the book that we read. And we're going to read it to you. And it's, it's, it's going to be done in a different style, right? So it could be like an 80s action movie. Or it could be um, a TV commercial. Or it could be anything, right? So it just can't be like a repetition of what's on the back of the book. So it's, it's like the back of the book style, but different. All right? And then you guys get to try to guess what the book is. And then we'll tell you. So, Pat, without further ado, kick us off. Oh, if you really want me to do mine. All right. Guns, glory, and dwarves. In a world where second chances come to those who drink, Magnus Ironblood and his ragtag band of engineers are here to crack open strongholds and fire cannons. I love it. Went for more like 80s action, but yeah, no. It's good, man. There's some big hints in there, so. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so if you, if you, uh, if you think you know, you might shout know. it out loud. Yeah. But, but, um, you have your second try coming up now. Go ahead, Jason. All right, guys. So. If you've ever wanted to read the Warhammer equivalent of an 80s action movie, this is for you. Because there are plenty of explosions, and there's even a getting the crew back together montage. Just like every 80s action movie you've ever seen and loved. So it's like Arnold Stallone is John Matrix is Magnus Ironblood. Okay, I like it. So slightly on the '80s theme, more like maybe maybe into like the '90s. I don't know if people do these anymore, but uh, I did a classified. So, slightly disgraced artillery officer seeks the warm embrace of a 1,200-pound thick iron lass. Qualifications: must be well maintained, oiled, and serviced regularly, and most importantly, explosive. In return, promises to put away the booze, wash clothes, and attempt to become employed. Likes. Things that go boom. Gunpowder, ale, beer, liquor, anything with alcohol. Dislikes. Superior officers. Magic. Anyone from Tilia. Things that don't go boom. So, that was uh, my attempt at... uh, what do you call those? Well, it's not a classified. It's uh, what people post. People used to do, like, try to find, like, dates, right? It's like misconnections or, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's before um, dating apps. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you guys think you know, here's your chance to get it right. It is Iron Company by Chris Rate. So, Jason, I know you may still be reading this because we just, like, basically came up with this a few days ago. Um, but so far, all right, so, guys, we're going we're gonna to do this. We'll, we'll do it now, and then we'll also do it when Jason's finished, so at the end uh, of our next episode. So we're going to use something called the Sigmar scale, right, which is how many hammers out of 10 would you give this book? 10 
being like a Dan Abnett classic, right? So like Riders of the Dead or Horace Rising. One is C.S. Goto. So if you don't know who that is, that's good. You don't need to. <laughs> Just know that's one. Uh, firm professional disagree. I think you should go, as a listener, it's your responsibility to look up Warrior Brood right now. Oh, please don't make them do that. God. All right, so we're going to go around. It's like a lightning round. We're going to go around the room, and you're going to tell me how many hammers you would give this. Jason, how many hammers? Uh, for originality, two. For entertainment value, 7.5. Okay, that's fair. Pat? Oh, you? we're doing categories? Um, I Honestly, I think for for fantasy novels, because we've all read a bunch I would I'd put this at a solid like I'm kind of where Jason's at like a 7.5 or an 8. I think it's really up there and I think it's a good book. You know. Yeah, so I agree. I think it's really well written. I think it's a good story, which is sort of what you want out of like, you know, fantasy novel um because the genre is it's it's hard to do originality, but yeah, I'm going to give it a whole I'm going to give it a a solid 7. So. Yeah. I mean, I so I have finished reading the book. And it honestly, I, I read it and I was like, yeah, if they made another book about Magnus Iron, Ironblood, I'd read it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it, it has that readability and, and that's what I'm looking for in a good book. Agreed. That was cool, man. I definitely, um, when I was building my, well, not building, when I was playing my artillery school of known list a lot, you know, it's just sort of it's just like it was firing on all on all cylinders man i was i was reading iron company i was playing it on the table it was it was really cool and i i learned a lot um about how an empire um artillery company functions so the the master engineers are like you know they're i guess uh they're officers, but they're like chartered officers, right? So you have to like go out and find one. They don't just normally exist inside of a regiment. Like maybe Altdorf has a standing army with one, but like certainly up in the boondocks, right? Up in Hawkland, <laughs> where they're all like woodsmen. Right. You got to um, go find a drunkard in a tavern. <laughs> yeah, you got to go find this guy down in the tavern who's like the only engineer, you know, uh, north of uh, north of Nome. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, so that was how we meet uh, Magnus Ironblood, which was I, I thought it was great. You know, I I appreciate, and you know, we'll we'll probably go more into the book uh, next episode, but um, I appreciate the the distinctions and like the 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 main general of the army, like how he is very much the old way, and how you know it at this point in in the Warhammer fantasy or, or just Warhammer universe, black powder is a semi-new thing to the Empire, and so there's some distrust with it. Yeah, Jason, I don't know if you picked that up, but there was there's definitely an old school that's like, no, don't... These cannons are a menace. They're, they're as likely to hit our own troops in the back or blow up as they are to actually hit the enemy. Well, see, I love sort of the stepwise progression to that because the very first quote in the very first chapter in the book is 
a master engineer explaining how you can't trust magic because it just goes awry all the time. But but guns, good old like reliable black powder that you can trust. That'll be here like till the empire's like last day. But that magic can't can't trust magic. That's yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's the other thing about this book that I really like is the way it sort of blends um, like history with with the, with the story. So at the beginning of each chapter, you get like this, like almost like this quote from a, um, from like a history book, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. And if you haven't already figured out from my. Uh my back cover of the book there's sieges in this i mean heck we're we're talking about a artillery company of course they're sieging in this um and to be honest i'm a big fan of the front artwork i don't know about you guys but a stylized picture of a hellblaster volley gun i think is what's on it and then and then i'm i'm assuming that's a depiction of of magnus so i don't know if it's actually uh magnus or just it's some artwork that was done a long time ago or, or more recently. But I mean, I know that iron company keeps, you know, like GW does these polls or black library does these polls every once in a while. Right. It's like, what book do you want to be brought back? You know, sort of the 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. editions sort of stuff, you know? Um, And I know that iron company does really well in those polls. So people still have a soft spot in their heart for it. And, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see a fancy new edition come back at some point. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it told a really good story, but it also had some nuance in it. It it um, helped me understand like what where you get troops from. You know, like hey, you don't have a standing um, army in Hawkland, or maybe you do, but you don't anymore, right? They never came back. Um, <laughs> right. And, and so, what do you do? Well, you go get the you go get the the hunters, right? You go get the, the the dudes out there that are shooting rabbits with their Hawkland long rifle at you know three hundred yards because I mean, those guys know how to shoot. So go get them and and pay them because money and people don't. It's not like a modern economy, right? Like these dudes are scraping by on whatever crops they get to bring home right so like you offer them a couple pieces of gold or whatever and they're like yeah i'll, I'll join your army how long right. <laughs> when will we be back oh it doesn't matter it's cool um but it's just harsh right it's just the it's 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 a harsh world and uh, i think that for me that really came out um so i loved it i thought it was great don't know where Jason is with it, but we'll definitely get into it more. Um, I think in the next episode. But Jason, where are you right now? Uh, I am on page thirty-seven. Well, that's pretty good because I think we only talked about this like a couple of days ago. So yeah, I did my best to speed read as far as I could get. <laughs> so, listeners, if you guys want to catch up uh, with us and. Um, go speed read iron company you have two weeks to do it um or you could just put us on pause until you finish that also works because we're a podcast (laughs) 
So yeah, one of those benefits of not being live, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we'll definitely circle back on this and talk a little bit more about it in depth uh, over the next episode. And that's all I've got. We'll, we'll come back and maybe Jason will have uh, re rethought about his Sigmar scale score. We'll see. It gets better, I promise. It does. It really does. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not entertaining. I mean, I'm barely a couple chapters in, and I'm hooked, but it's entertaining in the same way, like, the movie Predator is entertaining. Like, there are definitely some cliches going... I mean, in the first couple of chapters, there's a getting-the-gang-back-together montage where he goes to, like, round up a bunch of people that, like, used to be in the army, but they're dispersed and... <laughs> Like, this one dude, he has, like, of course, he has a home life with a, uh, you know, hearty, stout wife and four children, and the wife disapproves, and he's not sure if the guy's gonna, like, join back up with him, even though, like, it's real serious this time, man, it's important, but, you know... Yeah, but those are the best, man, those are the, those, those cliches are... I know. Uh, yeah. either, but then they yeah, have like it's... an Arnold handshake moment, Jason, and like everybody's good to go. Like, <laughs> But yeah, don't think I don't like it. It's terrific. It's just also I can recognize when a cliche is at large. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There are parts of it that you're like, I've seen this movie. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, no, I'd go watch it. Hell, I'd buy a ticket for it in theaters. Well, guys, um, that really is the end of our first episode. So we could do plugs, and then we could say bye. Yeah. All Let's right. Cool. Plugs, Pat? Um, well, I'll plug... Our, cla- our cast I mean uh, we're we uh, this is our fantasy cast uh, you know peril's importance uh, we're trying something new we're we're super into fantasy right now and we want to give it a whirl um, but I will also pu- plug the main class excuse me wow I will also plug the main cast Remembrancers Retreat uh, you can find us on Facebook Instagram Twitter and wherever you listen to your podcasts um so find us there and we also have a patreon and shout out to all of our patrons because you guys are awesome and you are both the listeners and the patrons are the only reason we're here doing this other than the fact that we're all super nerds and we all love doing this anyways but you guys help out so that we can pay for things like awesome audio and cool intros and things like that um so thanks a lot and also, shameless plug for me. Go to O'Hare Forge on Instagram and look at my cool printed stuff and stuff I'm painting. So there you go. Awesome. Jason? Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't think I have any plugs as a whole. I mean, listen to our podcast. Uh, we're doing it. We're kind of practiced at it by now. But... uh. We're really looking forward to this new one. And I'm going to be super honest right up front. I'm never going to get the order to that right. Uh, We're going to be like 50 episodes in. 
and I am going to have literally no idea whether it's portents and perils or perils and portents. I'm just I'm warning you. Now. But you came up with the name. <laughs> I don't know. Dave came up with a name. I just oh, well came up with the order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's okay. I perils and portents sort of works better. I tried saying portents and perils, and it was like, oh man, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm but, uh, going to get it wrong no matter which one we pick. So <laughs> I just thought I should warn you at the top. Fair. All right. Well, guys, uh, I've got just two quick plugs. Um, go check us out. Uh, go check our website out at uh, rr30k.com. We have a, um, a lot of good articles posted there. And I think in a lot of ways, um, they're complementary to the podcast that we do. So if you are a fan of the written form, um, sometimes it's a little easier to digest. And you know, maybe we'll be using it a little bit more in the future to post like army lists and stuff like that. So go check us out there. And then if you are uh, getting into Warhammer Army's project or Ninth Edition, join their Discord um, and find your faction and just participate because it is uh, it's it's collective, right? I mean the game is as good as the people that are playing it. So I think that's really cool. It's like a community. Um, but that's all I've got for for plugs, guys. So thanks for listening. And we will see you next time for Perils and Portents. Warhammer Old World. Bye, guys. See ya. <laughs>